Saturdays, how art thou? What up with y'all? How are you today? Doing good. Your hat is very uh, interesting. Your face is very It has like little beautiful. things sticking out of it. Yeah, because it was one of those hats that you get at Urban Outfitters that comes like folded up. Uh-huh. And I didn't want it folded up. And so I ripped it. And so, and then when I ripped it, I was like, I was going to cut this off. But then, you know, I kind of liked the little rugged look. So I okay. kept it. Do you have a qu- question for me regarding my day or something? Because I usually ask you a question to open it up and really? it's starting to so feel like you? I'm being left out of Aww, offering anything. You don't feel included? I, I do, just not in the intro. Oh, well, I don't have a question for you. I have a statement. You're okay. very beautiful. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we have a guest with us today, uh, and his name is Preston, too. Yeah. Preston, like, what's like up? I feel like I'm intruding. Huh? Really <laughs> like, whoa, TMI. I can, I can come back later. Get a room. <laughs> Hi, Preston Sprinkle. Hey. Welcome, welcome to our couch. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on your couch. This is, uh, I, I, yeah, I feel like I've been here before because of your Instagram feed, but. Too so uh, many people have told us that. That means we, sh- <laughs> we show our house too much. <laughs> now, last year, you might recall, not last year, it was like two years ago. We was had, it two years ago? It was a while ago. I don't know. The pandemic has scrambled all of our sense of time. Oh, so wow. About a two, three, four, five years ago, we had <laughs> Preston Sprinkle on to talk about his book uh, related to just transgender conversations. I don't know if you know that people got mad at us for that. Really? For what? They felt like we didn't ask you enough questions about like the Bible and oh, okay. transgender stuff. Like we were kind of like in the clouds. We didn't come okay. down and like talk Bible. And it's like, we didn't want to. We wanted to ask about like what gender pronouns and stuff. But there's a thing called selective outrage out there. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't, you know, hang your head up every time somebody There's a mad. lot of Bible in the book. So there's plenty. We could have so what's the title of the book chapters. again? So we can uh, buy that too. Embodied transgender identities, the church and what the what the Bible has to say. It's right there in the subtitle. Well, yeah, look yeah. at that. Now Preston is back with us because he has another book titled Does the Bible Support same-sex marriage. Twenty-one conversations from a historically Christian view. Like you, uh, you, you like swimming in topics that are like a that people don't be messing with. What's that about? Like, why, why? brave soul? Yeah you, well, yeah, you know nothing about that, right? Uh, yeah, I know. Because I'm saying we got to be built different to to yeah. be touching stuff like this. Yeah. So what what is that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. Of course, as you know, as you guys do too, you get you get criticism, right? You get a lot of pushback and anger and all this stuff. But for me, and I imagine for you guys tenfold, I mean, the, the positive feedback does far outweigh the, the negative. Yeah. I, I typically listen to the negative more, you yeah. know, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, somebody asked me like, why do you, why did you even get into this conversation? And to me, it almost, I don't, I don't use the word calling. I rarely use the word calling. Like I think that's overused in the church, but I do feel a sense of, something outside of me that was compelling me to continue to engage the conversation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is, um, I think the fourth book on the topic, yeah. probably my last. Okay. And a lot of people are going to be really excited yeah. to yeah. <laughs> hear me shut up about it, maybe. But Speaking of calling, um, I was very intrigued to, to ask you this question because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a little small tour now and it's, a, it's like an open forum type style tour. And uh, surprisingly, a lot of questions came, you know, in because we do like, you know, Q&As in the crowd and also online. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, men, especially in the black 
in, in the black church are starting to ask questions about how to actively engage with men who are same-sex attracted for discipleship purposes. Mm. And for me, that's just new. But like when I see mm. men like you, you've been kind of... Um, in this space for a while as a, as a straight male. Mm-hmm. And so like what, what has motivated you, um, you know, to, to talk about homosexuality, mm-hmm. um, being a straight male, like what's, what's, what's yeah. the motivation, man? So I, I, I sort of fell into it over a decade ago out of, um, I, w- I would say out of theological curiosity. Like, you know, I grew up knowing what I believed about all everything. Right. But then not knowing why I believed it. So I've been on a, I mean, a lifelong mission to take all of my preconceived beliefs back to the Bible and, and try to study the Bible as freshly as I can to, to figure out what the Bible actually says, you know, and mm-hmm. so, sometimes that confirms your presuppositions. Sometimes it challenges them. So I did that with this topic. Um, you know, so it really was just me and a bunch of books and, you know, word studies and looking at Bible verses and stuff. And but early on in my journey, I started to get to know, uh, a lot of LGBT people just to hear their stories mm-hmm. and found out that the overwhelming majority were, you know, raised in the church, were kind of shamed and shunned, mistreated, you know, uh, best case scenario, kind of just isolated and almost ignored. That's like best case, you know, versus sometimes just deliberately like yeah. mocked and dehumanized. And so, yeah, for the last 10 years, I've tried to, you know, wrestle with this tension of, you know, uh, following what the Bible says about marriage and sexuality um, you know, I, as I think most people know, I, I hold to a traditional, uh, sexual ethic, um, and, and also trying to, um, embody the love and grace and kindness of Jesus toward LGBT people in ways that I don't think the church has done well. So. That's good. Speaking of that, mm. I read something in your book that was really interesting. You talked about Can how- I interrupt you real quick? Yes. I just want to interrupt to just affirm because I, I I I feel like I I do spend a lot of energy in affirming Preston Sprinkle, but it's for it's for due, due reason because I feel like I feel like you you do a good job at being curious about people, about just being academic and intellectual and and authentic and sincere, even in like as you search the scriptures, but even how you apply what you learn mm-hmm. academically, mm-hmm. It, it, you do it with so much care. It's, it has like this pastoral shepherding because you used to be a pastor, right? I've never actually been a full-time pastor. I've been like an elder and on teaching teams. And yeah, stuff. yeah, they, they got traits like pastors. So I, I just, <laughs> I say all that to say, like when, when you listen to me even talk about sexuality, a lot of the way I approach it is not just my own history in that life. It's also learning from people like Preston. So I just wanted to say that. That's good. I appreciate That's good. That. Yeah, I, I echo that. I think um, I learned about you way later than when, Jack, when, you know, and she kept saying, she just kept saying this guy named Preston. I'm like, who is this guy? Like every time she said your name. I thought she was talking about me. And I'm like, this is weird. But when I, you know, checked out your stuff, I was like, no, this, this dude is dope. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was reading your book and it was a, a, a portion of your book where you talked about, you did a talk and how in the talk, it was, it was very interesting because in the talk, you um, kind of encouraged the church to su- uh, support, mm-hmm. you know, same-sex attracted people, gay people in the church. But at the same time, you, I think you said the second half of your talk was talking about how you support the more traditional um, framework for marriage and yeah. yada, yada, yada. And two different people came up to you <laughs> after, the, after the event. One person yeah. accused you of not really preaching um, biblical truth when it came 
came to, uh, you know, homosexuality, um, they completely misunderstood what you were saying. And then another person came up to you and was like, why do you hate gay people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so like literally like you, you, you kind of affirm both, but they both misunderstood yeah. you. And so um, when you talk about such a, a polarizing topic like that, you can often be misrepresented, misheard, um, you misread and all of those things. And so I want to talk to you about methods. Like what, mm. what is your method? Yeah, when talking about these things, because I love methods. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No. And honestly, that's a question that I wish was asked more, because mm-hmm. oftentimes we just rely on citing the verses or stating the kind of like in, the analytical, you know, theological point we agree with, and we don't realize that we're talking to a, a really complex human, a human person that oftentimes has a very complex story. And and we, and this is something that's been shown through a lot of psychological research um, that. Yeah, we've got our interpretive lenses are just so colored by mm-hmm. our experience, our background, our emotions, our hopes, our fears, you know, what we want to believe, you know, and and um so I think it's important to consider all those things. I think just anecdotally too, I've learned over the years, like j- just that example, you know, like one sermon where like, huh. you know, two people based on what they wanted me to say heard two completely different messages. Even the one person that says, you know, was like confronting me for affirming same-sex marriage, you know, half of my message was literally showing, proving traditional marriage from the Bible. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. She even used verses that I quoted in my sermon yeah. saying, you should go read this passage. Because <laughs> I think because I, I began with, man, we need, to, we need to do a much better job loving and caring for LGBT people. She immediately just uh. read the rest of the message through it. If I, she hears that, uh. then this person cannot embrace traditional marriage, you know? So yeah, methods, I think, um, well, it goes to what you said, Jackie. I mean, I think being, before we start to like assert our view, like we need to get to know who it is we're talking about. We need to be curious about their story and, and what's going on. And, and that might, it doesn't change the content of what we are going to say, but maybe it might change the shape of how we go about saying yeah. it. And we get this from the Bible, right? You have, you know, you read, um, like first Corinthians, you know, where Paul's just going off on this church. Right. And then you read like Philemon and he's like, he's a lot more reserved. He like, he's trying to lead Philemon to come to the conclusion on his own rather than just saying like, I'm an apostle. You must do what I say. So you, you see, you know, Paul and Jesus and others kind of understanding kind of the context in which they're in and they present truth in a way that's, it's contextualized. It's sensitive to that. I have one follow up question from that because, um, you know, in, in my time of like trying to give the gospel to like atheists, sometimes mm-hmm. agnostics, um, you know, Hebrew Israelites, I've kind of, I've kind of learned, you know, my, my, my audience and like the people that I'm trying to reach. And I know sometimes, you know, to avoid certain words um, that can be triggers, right? Because mm-hmm. it seems as if in the book, what you said to the person who was an audience, it was a trigger. And so mm-hmm. because like, I don't know, I don't know what the trigger, you know, because I don't really minister or reach out to this community and I know you interview a lot of people on your on your show and your podcast who have been same-sex attracted and so um in dealing with that community and loving that community well like I, mm-hmm. I think you do it in, in, a, in a loving way um are there any triggers mm-hmm. you know are, yeah. are, there, are there things that you avoid that's good um uh, with saying that 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 can potentially make them hear something that you're not saying mm-hmm. and close their heart to you mm-hmm. and their ear to you when you're trying to reach them? That's a great question. A question. And, and the answer is absolutely. There's a lot of triggers for each person that might be different. For one, 
You know, one trigger that um, is a real subtle one is simply the word homosexual. Uh Mm. Instead of like gay or even with younger people, sometimes they like the word queer. I think queer is... That's, that's a whole nother, it has some complications there, but, but the word homosexual, if, if you get up and start talking about how we should love homosexual people, there's gonna be a, many people in the audience or not, I depend on the, anybody who is affirming of same sex marriage is gay, maybe younger. They're going to hear that word and they're just going to be like, oh, this person's out of touch. Mm, explain why. Explain to me why. Most I'm, people I'm, in the community don't use that word. Okay. Like that's usually a word used about them yeah. from an us versus them kind of perspective. Yeah. E- well intended. I'm not saying, I know lots of people that use the word. They don't mean anything by it, but it's just kind of an outdated, it's not what most gay people used to refer to themselves. So it gives the impression that, oh, you obviously don't really know any. It's like, com- it's like coming in the black community and saying black Hebrew Israelism. They hate that. Black Hebrew is Israelism. Yeah, the Hebrew Israelite is a growing religion in the black community. A lot of huh. black churches are trying to figure out how to reach them. But black Hebrew Israelites, huh. it's a very dated term. And so like they just like to call themselves Hebrew um, Hebrew Israelites or Israelites. And so Yeah, uh, yeah it's, I would I say it's very similar. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, would yeah. you agree with that? The, with the word homosexual? Yeah. For sure. Okay. Yeah, it has this like old testament <laughs> kind of swag to it. Like, you know, like what are you what are you gonna bring up in here? Wow. But yeah. I, I think I'm wondering, even when it comes to kind of the same sex marriage conversation, right? Let me read what you wrote. Yeah. And then we'll, 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 so you define marriage as this. You say marriage is a lifelong, one flesh covenant union between two sexually different persons, a male and female from different families. That's key because, you know, marrying your cousin is a bit interesting. Uh, united with the purpose <laughs> of telling God to do it. <laughs> Shout out to Alabama In Arkansas And telling God I gotta start over Okay A male and female From different families United with the purpose Of telling God's story Of faithfulness Creativity And sexual relationships out this Outside of this Covenant union Are sin I, 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 I put it around brackets Because I think Sometimes when you hear Marriage defined You don't even hear it Defined with the mention Of sexually different persons yeah. And so why is it Like mm. why is it crucial Or even fundamental To our understanding of marriage to like platform the fact that like no this mm-hmm. includes maleness or yeah. males and females mm-hmm. not just two people that love each other yeah I, I think this is the fun if in terms of of wrestling with the theology of same-sex marriage uh, traditional marriage I think we need to ask what is marriage like what are yeah. we talking about and that's this is something that I've been shocked over the years at how many really smart people just skip right over that question. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll ask me like, well, what's wrong with two people of the same sex getting married? Mm. Which is a great question. I'm like, that's a great question. But I need to first know, what do you mean by that word marriage? Mm. Um, yeah. Like if, a, and I, use, I think I use the illustration in the book, like if, if, if a Martian, you know, landed on earth and started, you know, learning English and then, you know, he, he, meets, he meets you, Preston, and then Jackie walks yeah. in and says, oh, this is my wife, you know, we're married. And the Martian says, oh, I haven't heard that word before. What does that mean? Like, uh, yeah. how would you actually define that? It's really good. Word. Would you say, well, it's when two humans fall in love? Like, would two be significant in that definition? Would, uh-huh. would um, falling in love be significant? Or, or would sex difference be part of that essential definition? Mm. So before we even move into, you know, the, the, you know, Leviticus and Romans and some of these other passages people go to, we need to ask a question, what are we even talking about? What yeah. is this thing called marriage that we're that we're trying to understand what does the Bible say about this? So, yeah, I, this is, I, you know, I try to show early on in the book that um, uh, I, I, 
I know I'm not you're supposed to use the word clear. I get critique uh-huh. for saying it's clear. To me, it seems pretty clear that, <laughs> that clear. Um, when the Bible does describe this one flesh union, one flesh is the biblical term for, for marriage. Um, sex difference is an essential part of the form that one flesh union. Jesus, I mean, you have Genesis one and two, but Jesus in Matthew 19, he even goes out of his way to say, from the beginning, God created the male and female for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, uh, be joined to his life. And the two become, will become one flesh. Yeah. Which two? Male yeah. and female. Uh, yeah. he, he actually goes out of his way to like highlight male and female there. So, um, and again, I'm not, you know, there was lots of pushbacks, everything I said, which yeah. is why, you know, it's like chapter three, four and five, you know, addressing yeah. those pushbacks. But I think starting with that fundamental question, what is marriage is absolutely essential. I really do think it's important because it's like, I, I think sometimes we forget that marriage is something that God made. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like in Genesis 1 and 2, like he He created that. Like yeah. the the origin of marriage is God, not even America, not even like earth. Mm. Like it's, it's a divine mm. kind of thing. And so like us paying attention to what God has to say about it and how he de- designed it and what he originally created. Like when he, when he came to putting, uh, what's their names? What's the, what's our grandparents? Adam and Eve. Adam when and he Eve. put them together. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was going to say Dorothy. Like that, I got my name Dorothy. <laughs> that's important. You know, um, when I have had conversations with people I don't think I actually, I did ask you this question. I asked when I came to y'all house and y'all were eating food and I was pregnant. So one thing that was really surprising She's to me <laughs> is when I would have conversations with people who felt like, how do I word it? They felt like they can engage in a relationship with a, with a person of the same sex. But if they pursued holiness, like it wasn't sex that that still was permissible. So it's like mm. being girlfriends, but not girlfriends, oh, kind of like this like yeah. covenant friendship type of situation uh. where like we share our bank accounts, we share uh. share rent, we share mortgage, like we do life together, but we're not sinning because we're not being sexual. Uh. Since that seems to be what Paul is actually getting at when it comes to like prohibiting is like the sex part. What would, what would you say to that type <laughs> of situation? I want to hear what you have to say first. <laughs> I'll say what I said to them because I was winging it. Uh, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I think you would have something to say. I think you would. Okay, I'll think about it. Yeah. I, I want to hear you guys. Well, I, yeah. So I, this is kind of a live conversation within, um, I guess, the, the community of people who are same-sex attracted, gay, however they identify, who are committed to a traditional sexual ethic. And, and I want to be um, slow and curious, slow about forming my, you know, kind of strong opinion on it and curious about how people are going about this. Because if they are, if they're committed to not, you know, engaging in a sexual relationship outside male and female marriage, and that shows that they're, you know, they're, that's a, that's a pretty radical thing to say, you know, like they're on, they're on a, a, you know, a traditional side of this conversation. So, um, for, for me, um, I wouldn't, I want to, maintain the sanctity of marriage and not engage in or make any other relationship look like that, mimic it. Yeah. You know, somebody just asked me the other day, like, what do you, what do you think about like getting 
like marriage rings in these kind oh. of relationships. Uh-huh. It's, it's not a sexual relationship, With but friends. they even have you know, like like wedding rings, you know. I'm like, but that 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 clearly is sending mm. a signal in our culture that this is it's 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 sort of mimicking mir- mirroring mm-hmm. marriage in a way that I think is just at the very least unhelpful, yeah. you know? Like that's just like why do that? Now, if somebody says I am committed to this friend, we we live together, we we are committed to each other. If I'm in the hospital, they're going to visit me. I mean, the, the that just sounds like really good friendship. That's like David and Jonathan stuff, you know? And I think our culture has a kind of weak view of friendship, especially among guys, right? Mm-hmm. So so if if they're pursuing this, what I would consider in the category of a really robust, faithful friendship, then then I, could, I can celebrate that. I just want to make sure you're not using, you're not making it look like a marriage or even using, I, I you know, some people say, well, this is my partner. I'm like, well, in our culture, Right, I, I mean, partner signifies yeah. this as a sexual romantic relationship. Uh-huh. That's what that word means yeah. in our culture, I think. Yeah. So why use a language that's going to be kind of confusing? Can't you just say this is my? Yeah. Why not say this is my friend? Yeah, yeah. For and sure. define friendship in real robust ways, and then there you yeah, go. Yeah, so, my my only thing I would say to to that, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I'm 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 open to be corrected, especially on this topic. But uh, you know, for me. Um, for somebody who's living with, you know, another person of the same sex and they are physically attracted to one another and even emotionally, you know, mm-hmm. investing in one another, but they're just not having sex. Um, I, I, I would question if they're truly seeking the Lord about that decision, like uh-huh. truly seeking the face of God for this uh, situation, because God just doesn't tell us things because they're sin. Uh, tell us not to do things because they're sinful. He also tells us to do things to avoid it, right? And uh-huh. so, like, um, because we are progressive people, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that you, you know, the temptation will, will, will go away uh-huh. for, for, for not to become sexual, uh-huh. uh, for you not to be in a, in a relationship. If you put yourself in a situation where, you know, you are emotionally and physically attracted mm-hmm. to somebody. That's exactly it's, what I said. It's, really? Yeah, I see. Wow. One you're, flesh. you're a wise man. No, I because when I was thrown off by it because that was the first the first time I had heard that kind of position and my original question was like what's the goal? Mm. Right? Because I was like the way we're made as human beings, I don't see how you can be intimate in every other way and then not somehow end up in some type of exploration of like sexual intimacy. Mm. Like, mm. like I don't know how you can bond emotionally and bond financially and like like linking yourself in this like low-key yeah, one flesh union. For, that's yeah, not a one flesh. Like it just seems, mm. it seems dangerous uh, to me. And yeah. it, it ended up being that. And so... So for me, for me, I think it's just a, a, a wisdom thing. Um, and I agree with everything you said too, Preston. And so those are just, you know, kind of my, mm. my thoughts. There's a lot of... Um, a lot of diversity. This is something I've learned in the last couple of years. Like there's a lot of different approaches to these kind of relationships. Some that again, I would think are, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with maybe the language or how it's going about. And other ones where I'm like, this just seems like a really good, what I call a friendship, you know? Yeah. So I think that's one thing to recognize. There's a lot of a whole spectrum of kind of how people are, are approaching this. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Um, the temptation that, you know, you would compare it to like, if I was a single guy, heterosexual, and I, my best friend was a female I was attracted to. And well, just because we're straight doesn't mean we're necessarily attracted to each other too. That's another component. Uh-huh. Um, but 
if we were living together, emotionally connected, mm-hmm. watching movies late at night together, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I, like, the, I'm not, so I'm not picking on like same-sex attractive people. I'm like, I, I just, I, I would give the same counsel to anybody. That's good. That, like, it, man, I, and if they're like, well, where does it say it's sin? I'm like, I'm, I'm not even needing to go into the sin category yet. I'm, I'm, I want to talk about wisdom, you know? I want to yeah. talk about, uh, is this a wise rhythm of life? Um, so, I don't know. It's, yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and God also talks about the appearance of evil, the Bible, you know, and so I think God cares about what, what things look like, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to the outside world and stuff like that. And so yeah. I like that you brought that point yeah. out as well. So a popping argument right now is how the word homosexuality mm-hmm. or homosexual was added to the Bible recently, mm-hmm. right? Which is true. That's a fact. Like, I don't know how to pronounce Arsene Dakota and all that type of stuff. But <laughs> when Paul was writing his letters, he did not use the word homosexual, right? That That's a translation. Yeah. I think my, I, I want you to speak to the addition and the way those terms yeah. have been translated because you're like a scholar and stuff. But I also, also want you to speak to the fact that I feel like people are taking the fact that homosexual, the term homosexual was added to the Bible and making conclusions then about how we should understand mm-hmm. same-sex attraction and what God might mm-hmm. permit and, and not permit. So like, yeah. what are we supposed to do with that, Preston? Is that, have you heard this argument? Is this a popular argument? Yeah. Okay. Especially on TikTok. Like really? It's, okay. it, it's a whole thing. Because yeah. I think, you, um, I re- can recall you talking about it. Um, they even kind of compared it uh, did some people compare it to slavery? Well, that's different. That's like how mm. because people, because we moved in a, a right direction with seeing slavery as sinful, then in the same way that we should move in a more uh, affirming direction when we talk about like same yeah. sexuality. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, different arguments. There's some overlap. Yeah, they're different. Yeah. So uh, I'm surprised you came right out and said, yes, this is a bad translation. Because some people, they, they kind of like, they don't know that they, they think, no, the, the word should be in there. So, um, yeah, no, I fully agree. And, and this also going back to methodology. One of the things I try to do in the book is I want to encourage the reader and I try to model this. Like, is there, is there anything good we can find in this argument that I'm ultimately going to disagree with, but is there, is there anything we can learn from? That's good. Can we affirm aspects of this argument that are positive? Cause sometimes I think if we do any of that, we just, you know, give too much ground and we're not being bold with the truth. And I'm like, I think people see you as a genuine thinker mm-hmm. if you can say you know what that's a that's actually a good point or you know i i agree with this part of your argument yeah you know? then they then they at least they think okay well you're genuinely listening so yeah with this argument i come right out and say it, the basic uh the the foundation of the argument is 100 percent true yeah. the english word homosexual which means somebody who is attracted to the same sex is a bad translation of the Greek word ar- arsenakwites. There we go. <laughs> <Matters>. <laughs> that sounds like a tongue. It, it, <laughs> you're a seminary student, aren't you? You know that Greek yet? I did Greek, yeah. I'm scared right. of that. Next semester. Next semester. All right. Um, arsenakwites, which is used in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And um, it, the, the Greek word, you know, there's different ways people translate it, but I think the best translation of that Greek word is a man who is having sex with another male. Uh-huh. Um, like that's, it's, it's, it's referring to ongoing unrepent in the context. It's people who are not repentive. It's not like they did this like, you know, t- 10 years ago and they yeah. repented or whatever it's, it's they are This is an activity in their life. So, um, so yeah, so, so and if you remember that passage, it's like, you know, 
I, I can't quote it for, verbatim, but you know, the, neither the adulterers, the sexually immoral, the greedy, the this, that, that, nor the arsenakwe tests will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. If we translate that homosexual, that just means somebody's attracted to the same sex. Well, what about the? Fr- I'm pointing at you. This, oh, is, this oh, is black I thought, church. I thought that other this is black. No, this is black church. Mm-hmm. This is black church. That means you're talking good. You're talking <laughs> good. Hmm? You might get a shoe thrown at your necks. Be ready. You don't. You amongst. You amongst black folk. He thought, he, he thought I saw a spirit. He said. He said. Oh, is it a fly? <laughs> Oh, I was she pointed. She, that she was said, that you, sir. "Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> what's happening?" <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my word! Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, we did so May Preston red. May Preston red. Come back, come back. <laughs> you were saying that I was saying if somebody like many friends that I have, you do too, um, is attracted to the same sex, but out of allegiance to Jesus, mm-hmm. is committed to a life of celibacy. And they read 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And if it says, neither the adulterers, that's sexual behavior, neither the sexually immoral, that's sexual behavior, nor homosexuals Uh will inherit the kingdom of God. If that person doesn't make it in, somebody Uh who out of allegiance to Jesus says, I'm committed to celibacy, then we're all screwed, right? Uh I mean, so, and this is actually, there has been cases where people have had a really faith rocking experience when they read that translation. So all that to say, that is not what the Greek word means, and it can do a lot of damage by using the term homosexual. Now, where the argument, I think, overreaches is when it says, therefore, yeah. because of this mistranslation, therefore, the Bible's you know homophobic, it, it doesn't condemn uh, same-sex marriage, this is all bad translation, everything. It's like, wait a minute, that, that logical leap you're making there, I think, is unjustified because you can use all kinds of different words. Oh, yeah. Um, to convey the fact that marriage is between a man and woman without using the English word homosexual. That's good. That's really good. I honestly think that's such a big deal because I even think that so much of the whole conversion therapy stuff or even people feeling shame as it relates to the experience of the attraction, I feel like people would have more, I guess clarity if they knew that the experience of the attraction isn't what condemns you. Mm-hmm, it, it's yeah. the it's it's submitting the, to and the practice of the that attraction that condemns you. You get what I'm saying? Like, absolutely, like the yeah. experience of it is a temptation that you either respond to or you reject. Yeah. But at the end of the day, so like I think if we saw that like Paul was coming for like action, like for verbs, not people, then yeah. I, I think we would read it differently. Because if people, and, and I think that we have to, I, I think we start normalizing, not normalizing, but I I think the uh, the church and the world can kind of make an idol out of you know those who are same sex attracted because mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm you know if I have faults of of an ex girlfriend, uh, nobody's gonna call me an adulterer. Right. Uh-huh. right, 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 yeah. nobody's gonna, sure. no, nobody's right. Nobody's gonna say you're an adulterer. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if somebody has thoughts about this opposite sex, we automatically attribute homo, like homosexuality mm-hmm. or you're gay. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that we 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 can often adopt the the world's way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And this is like no, like the Bible says that we, we were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity, mm-hmm. and so we're all kind of born with the propensity to 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 have certain struggles. And mm-hmm. you know, um, and so yeah, that's just really good clarification. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's like if we said we're, you know, if I said I'm straight, that means I'm attracted to the opposite sex. That's 4 billion people on the planet. Like, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean I'm acting on it, obviously. I, you know, who has the stamina for that? So, yeah. That's, that's good. Um, and we ain't got to get into this. I, 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 I personally also have a bigger issue when it even comes to the categories that we use to mm. define people, like, you know, homosexual, straight, like, mm. well, not straight, like heterosexual, homosexual, how these terms are even like mm. mad new, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like even these kind of identity frameworks or like, I, I can see how it's helpful for people to like name their experience and stuff like that, but I still feel like that is a part of the issue. Well, Anywho, well, well, mm. What would you say people, how people should be referred as? You know, uh, well, I think we're here now. So it's like if you want to refer to yourself as gay, to be to to have a title and a name for your authentic experience, then that's that's where we are, right? But I still think that the bigger the bigger identity marker is that I'm I'm made in the image of God. Yeah, that's good. I am that's a good. female. You are a male, right? Yeah. We are Christians. Like, I, I just feel like those actually should have more sway over how I view myself mm. and how I view others. Mm, that's good. Um, I am very intrigued. I did not read this chapter because we're talking, but I am really intrigued to hear your response to the view that Paul, when he condemns or prohibits homosexuality in Romans 1 or 1 Corinthians 6, I think there's some in Timothy, mm -hmm. that he wasn't talking about consensual same-sex right. relationships. And the argument basically goes that in Paul's day, there was a lot of pederasty. There was like rape where, you know, the, the male like head of the home would have a boy slave and he would basically like practice his mm -hmm. like sexual stuff on the boy. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what Paul is prohibiting isn't same sex relationships where there is mutuality, where there is mm -hmm. love, where there is consent. He's actually condemning the sexuality that was practiced in his time. For yeah. real? <laughs> what you say, Preston? <laughs> this is this is I'll be learning a lot when I talk to y'all too. <laughs> this is where are these arguments headed? At? <laughs> this is one of uh I would say one of the most popular arguments. Um well, it used to be more popular among scholars. It's not so much anymore. We mm -hmm. can come back to that. But um yeah, so that that's a great summary of the argument. Basically, Paul, you know, whatever he was talking about when he said, you know, no to same-sex sexual relationships, it wasn't the kind of relationship that people are um, arguing for today. You know, two adults, same-sex, falling in love in, 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 in a mutual uh, relationship. My response... Um, well, no. First, remember we got we got to find something good in the argument. There okay, we so go. Here, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's follow our own advice. So uh -huh. when I looked into this argument... And in my, my main area of research is like first century Judaism, like all the background stuff. So mm -hmm. this was really intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've, I've read a lot of this stuff, um, not with this question in mind, but it forced me to go back and say, well, is there, is there, is there a truth to this? You know? and, and when I read the literature, I would say uh, the, by far the majority of uh, male, we'll come back to that, male same-sex sexual relationships in the ancient world, they, they were like that. They were... As you said, you know, master and a yeah. slave or, or older man, younger boy. Um, so yeah, I can see where their argument comes from. However, um, there are some exceptions to that. Um, in the first century in particular, there was a whole like, um, and this is widely known in the scholarship, that first century Rome, there was an upheaval of 
all kinds of things, including, you know, common sexual practices, which, which kind of led to just a lot of diversity in, hmm. in how the Roman world was acting. So most relationships were non-consensual, but there were some based on the evidence that, that were consensual and between adults, especially among women. And this is where I think uh-huh. the argument really faces a challenge. Uh-huh. Paul leads with women sleeping with women and then men sleeping with men. Uh-huh. If you look at the ancient literature, when female same-sex relationships were addressed, there were almost all adult consensual, same status. You know, there was no mm-hmm. like older woman and a younger girl, you know, so... Um, the fact that Paul sees them both as basically the same kind of thing shows he's probably not thinking of non-consensual relationships. Also, if you look at the language Paul actually uses, you know, there was a lot of Greek words to describe pederasty. Yeah. He doesn't use any of those. Yeah. There's words to describe masters and slaves. He doesn't use any of those. He just uses the basic Genesis 1 and 2 kind of language for male and female. And so if you look at Romans 1 in particular, there's no evidence that what's wrong with this relationship is one person's oppressing the other. It's, it's Paul uses language of mutuality. So mm. yeah, I don't, I don't, I think the argument is, is has a lot to it, but it, I don't, I, 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 I just think it falls short of proving that, you know, Paul must've been only thinking of yeah. non-consensual relationship. Yeah. That's really good. I have a quick question. Um, and it's kind of for both of you guys. I, you know, like, you know, uh, I, when I engage with other religions, um, uh, m- most of the conversation and the arguments sur- are surrounded around Jesus not being God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one of the main arguments uh, for that is that Jesus himself never said, I am God, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of respond sometimes and be like, well, he never said he was the Messiah. Uh, he he uh-huh. never said, you know, um, Mary's my mother. But we, <laughs> we, 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 be, we believe yeah. those things because the Bible holistically points to those right. things. It's kind of like the homosex, the word homosexual. Yeah. That like, just because that word isn't there doesn't mean the concept right. isn't addressed. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I guess in, in this, in the argument of, you know, I don't want to say homosexuality, mm. just same-sex attraction or just relationships, do people ever have that argument that Jesus himself never mm. said these things? Uh, and so we have to kind of throw it out. Is that an argument? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, uh, yeah. It comes up from time to time. Um, I think it's, yeah, Jesus never explicitly mentioned same-sex sexual relationship. Um, but he does talk about marriage quite a bit. And that's yeah. why I want to bring it back to, he actually addresses more clearly than anybody else in the Bible, the fundamental question we should be asking. Mm-hmm. It's because people don't ask that question. They think all this talk about marriage, they just don't think it's relevant. But he's clearly said marriage is between a man and a woman in Mark 10 and, and Matthew 19. Um and if people are like, well, he still doesn't address same-sex sexual relationships. I, I guess we have to ask the question, why? You know, like there, there wasn't, there's not an, an there's not a single positive reference uh, from a Jewish writer 500 years on either side of Jesus that said anything positive about same-sex sexual relationships. It was unanimously uh, a non-issue. Like, everywhere and all and and judaism was very diverse right mm-hmm. i mean the sadducees the pharisees the, you know, the herodians you have know, the sellouts you have know, the zealots you know why diversity in judaism but when it came to same-sex relationships there was no debate mm. well w- when we look at what jesus addresses in the gospels he's often addressing issues that were debated within judaism about divorce and sabbath and this and temple and and all these things he's not going to 
preach a sermon talking about something that is just non-existent in Judaism at that That's time. That's good. I've never thought about with. that. So, That's I mean, there's, I, could, I, I don't like using analogies, but I'm sure we could all think of things that every single Christian agrees is sin. And then, and then you guys the question, well, how? I've never heard a sermon on it. In 10 yeah. years in church, never heard a sermon on fill in the blank. And it's yeah. like, do you need to preach a sermon on something yeah. that yeah, like, for sure. you know, um, that everybody agrees with? So I think no. to draw that, I would like to hear uh, you kind of dig a little deeper into even Jesus's affirmation of marriage mm. um, and how he he pulls from Genesis 1 and 2 in mm-hmm. explaining what marriage is and how really if he speaks to marriage being a, a union between male and female, then that kind of mm. already answers the question. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, in Matthew 19, he's in a conversation about divorce and um, to, to argue against divorce, all he really needs to do is cite Genesis 2.24. Mm. Man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. What God has brought together, let no person rend asunder. Why do I want to say that? Is that old King James? Oh, yeah, I think rend yeah, asunder. I just, I feel like, that's old King James. I feel like you trying to marry us again. You could just say, sep- you could just say separate. Separate. I'll say- <laughs> like I'm I don't even own a King James Bible. I don't know where that is. Wow, that's weird. Um, yeah. So all he, then that alone would be sufficient, but he actually goes out of his way to not just cite Genesis 2.24 but he cites Genesis one twenty seven. God created the male and female, and then he splices it together with uh-huh. Genesis two twenty four. Therefore, and you know the two will become one flesh. So he again he goes out of his way to reference the most significant verse about sex difference, Genesis one twenty seven. Yeah, and and brings it into the logic of what marriage is. That's so good. It, it's, I, I think that's probably if you want like one. If, if someone said, what is the single most important passage in this conversation? It would probably yeah. be Matthew 19 to me. Wow, that's really, really good. And I don't like to, I mean, I think there's lots of important things, but I think that is probably the clearest, you know, illustration of what marriage is. And again, I mean, we're having this kind of, having to explain this. Yeah. For 2000 years, the global church, we're like, well, yeah, why are we even talking about this? Yeah. Like it's, it wasn't, it wasn't obscure to the global church up until you know, five minutes ago. And, and Do you have any insight on why, like what, what, what is it about this cultural moment that this is such a com- conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, because we could, we could say, you know, we have a devil and we have principalities and rulers, mm-hmm. right? Who want us to think, believe things about our bodies, mm-hmm. about sexuality, about Jesus, about God, about his headship and his lordship that are untrue, right? Mm-hmm. That's the spiritual dynamic. Preach but it. I think when it comes to culturally, what do you think are some of the forces that have kind of led us to this moment? That's a great question. I, I think there's probably people that have done more work on that. Like there's better people that address that. I'm thinking of- Carl um, Truman's book. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That expressive individualism. Like yeah. I think there's been a- I think he even goes back like 200 years, right? Mm-hmm. Saying where we are now, there's, there's been a lot of momentum, but this um, expressive individualism, this, um, so the focus on kind of the individual, but like they're in like our, our, you know, the immaterial part of us, not our body so much, but like how we, um, our desires and, and, and what brings us happiness and fulfillment. And mm-hmm. I think those, those are seen as kind of, the primary values in personhood now more than they ever have been in the mm. past, you yeah. know? So, but yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, you know, 
I, I'm relying on other people who have kind of done that kind of sweep of history. Yeah, 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 yeah. To, to okay. Understand well, that. I feel like yeah. I understand better. You know, uh, you you know, you done taught us and you done explained your, your scholarly I, things. I guess I guess to wrap it up, I, I was just saying, um, you know, I'm looking forward to digging in this book a little more. Um, but to wrap it up, like, what would you? Okay, wh- why did you write this book, yeah. and what do you want people to take away from yeah, from this good. book? Um, I wrote the book because I've been speaking on the topic for 10 years. I've written a few books on it um, already. But as you said, whenever you go speak, you get like, Q, you know, Q&A or you get, you know, just one-on-one conversations and people, all, you know, just they flood the stage. You know, what about this? What about yeah. that? And there's, you got all these kind of pushback. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, over the years, I'm I'm kind of responding, responding, responding. So this book kind of is a compilation of like the top 21 kind of arguments that are often that I'm having to respond. Um, So that's kind of why I wrote it. But also that first chapter where it's, it talks about how to have a profitable conversation. I I not only want to give people kind of reasons to believe in the traditional view of marriage, although that's definitely part of my motivation, but I want to help them to go about having these conversations in a much better way. Yeah. I'm mean, the first chapter I wrote. I mean, it could carry over that, into politics, it could, uh, worship, when I, <laughs> worship when wars. I, when I looked in the book, that's what I, that's what I, I, I liked about the book the most. Um, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not just debunking arguments, yeah. but you're, but you're trying to reason with people. Um, you, you're, you seem very fair while still at the same time mm-hmm. having a stance. Yeah. And I, that's what I respect the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you are practically teaching people good methods and how to to give um, the the gay community truth and grace. And I think that's what the gospel is. It's, it's, a, it's a message of truth and grace. And so, um, yeah, good job, bro. Thank you. Thank you for your that. work, man. Thanks, You're Preston. Needed. Thank you. Thank you, Preston. 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 <laughs> Peace. <laughs> With the Perrys is produced by the Perrys with support from Amanda Reed and Channing B. McBride. Editing by Xavier Fairley. Video recording and audio production by Kim Powell. Artwork by Hop. And music by Swoop. If you'd like to support the Perrys, you can visit the link in the show notes. This is With the Perrys. Thank you for listening. Now go with God. <laughs>